Welcome to a Sober Girl's Guide podcast, a lifestyle podcast based on sobriety and recovery. I'm your host and sober girl, Jessica Jabot. Inspired by my own sobriety and wellness journey, I want to spread the wealth of knowledge. Tune in each week for uncensored conversations about mental health, self-development, wellness and spirituality, and how they influence each guest's unique recovery journey. My goal is to educate and inspire and to let you know you are not alone on your recovery journey. Thanks so much for tuning in to a Sober Girls Guide podcast. Let's go! At a Sober Girls Guide, we got your back, and so does Exact Nature. Their safe, all-natural, CBD-based products are specially formulated to help you face the unique challenges of getting and staying sober. Whether it's curbing those cravings, wrangling in those changes in moods, or helping you get a better night's sleep. To learn more about their products and commitment to helping you in your recovery, visit exactnature.com. What I love about Exact Nature is they are produced and formulated by people who are in recovery themselves. It is 100% safe and natural to your recovery journey. Head to exactnature.com and use discount code SOBERGIRL20 for 20% off your order. Hello, hello, and welcome to episode 173 of a Sober Girls Guide podcast. Now, today's episode is a little bit different. Usually, I have incredible, amazing guests on here sharing their stories, sharing their BS selves, which I like to call, you know, stand for before sobriety selves. And today's episode is going to be a little bit different. I am going to flip the script. I'm going to turn the, the tables on myself and give you a little insight as to what BS Jess was like and how I got sober and why I got sober and what was it actually like? You know how people just like kind of skim past all the details? Well, not today. I'm going to give you a very healthy, maybe somewhat scary insight to what sobriety is actually like and what it's like to actually get started. So let's get right into it. I guess we'll start with BS Jess. So before sobriety Jess. I have to say that a lot of things in my childhood happened. There was a lot of stuff and I come from the kind of family which I'm sure you probably come from. you don't really talk a lot of things. You don't really talk about feelings. You don't really talk about the past or what has happened. You just kind of scoot it under the rug and you, you keep on going. You let it go, right? Well, it's a little hard to let it go when you don't actually process things. You don't actually talk about things. You don't actually have an understanding or even try to comprehend what has gone on, and why you feel what you feel. And knowing that what you feel is fine. Feeling is totally normal, and it's very fine. Every, every type of emotion is okay. There is no wrong, right, good, bad feelings. There are emotions because they exist. They're, they're there for a reason. 
They give you signals. They give you insight. They are, are stepping stones to learn more about yourself, about the people around you, about situations, yada, yada, yada. Okay, where am I going with this? Well, I would have to say probably the best thing to happen in my teenage years, well, maybe best and worst, um, were my parents getting divorced. And I know this sounds very odd because a lot of parents don't want their parents to, act, to get divorced and separated. I did. I think it was the best thing for them. Everyone was always angry. Everyone was always on edge. My dad was super controlling and just, let's, let's put it this way. His nickname growing up was Hitler. Okay, so let's just paint that picture right there. It wasn't a good situation. Everyone was pretty much living in fear and tiptoeing and walking on eggshells around my dad. We wanted him gone. And the relationship that he had with my mom was just so incredibly unhealthy. And that really affects you as a child. Being the oldest child, <clears throat> I saw a lot. I saw a lot of um, really unhealthy things in my in my parents' relationship that I hope no child gets previewed to, but you know, it happens. Um, I was growing up, I was a very quiet, sweet child and not by choice. I'll say this. Um, I wanted to be the center of attention. I wanted attention. I wanted to, to be in the spotlight. I wanted someone to care about me. I wanted people to acknowledge me. And that never happened as a child. I never got that. And there's a couple reasons why. And I'm not saying this isn't like a story to like rag on my parents or like this is, it's all their fault. That is not the case at all. That is not the circumstances at all. Shit happens in your childhood. Shit happens in life. No one is to blame. It happens and it happens for a reason and you, you go through it and it, you know, it makes you a stronger person or you get, to, you get to learn and grow and understand why this shit happens. And you move on. You deal with it. You process it. So when I was growing up, I was the oldest and my youngest brother had this very rare form of cancer called retinoblastoma. And by... I think age five, so I would have been 12, my brother had lost both of his eyes to cancer. So he was officially blind. Now this happened over a course of a couple of years and it was really hard. Like I can only imagine how hard it was on my parents dealing with a child who had cancer, but also this cancer was taking away his sight. And so rightfully so, all of their attention went to my youngest brother. It was really hard. It was quite traumatic as, as a child growing up with this, not really understanding why, well, no one was paying attention to me. It felt like no one cared about me. But th that wasn't the case. It wasn't, it wasn't the truth. It just felt like that because my parents were so preoccupied I mean, talk about being extremely depressed 
and scared and trying to navigate life with a child, well, three children, and one of your child is blind. So it's a huge, huge adjustment. So that kind of puts a little context behind why I never got attention as a child, why I never, why growing up, I, that was gone. That wasn't an option for me. It was at a very young age, I was pretty much left to fend for myself. Um, And I really appreciate that because, because I was left to fend for myself, I am now, I have really amazing qualities such as survival qualities. Um, I'm very independent. I am a go-getter, some may say. I am a self-starter. So all these qualities, you know, came from, I guess, neglect to a certain certain degree. Yeah, a little bit of neglect. Um, so moving forward, again, like I said, I was a very sweet, quiet, you know, played by the rules, just did whatever I was told child while I was growing up and like I said this was not 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 my intention and not how I really wanted to act and so when my parents got divorced it was like this weight had lifted that like I could do whatever I want my dad wasn't going to be around to kind of with his thumb over me and to to berate me and and put me down and, you know, judge me basically for wanting to be kind of the center of attention and the, the, the class clown, if you will, you know, to, for being outspoken. He always said that, that um, no one respected or no one um, took a, any woman seriously who was loud who was loud and funny and and spoken like outspoken basically because he didn't he felt like he couldn't control and my mom was was is a very outspoken funny witty life of the party type of woman and i saw my dad have you know his control over her he didn't like that he didn't like when people spoke up for themselves or spoke against him. And he's, I mean, till this day, he still doesn't. Um, he just doesn't like that. And it, it's, it's seen as unpredictable for him, which is, I guess, scary for him because you can't control it, right? So when my parents got divorced, it was like all hell broke loose in the best possible way. I was like, Fine. I was coming. I was a teenager. I was coming into my own. I could make my own decisions because, like before, I was very independent. I had these innate survival skills because I had to, because no one was paying attention to me growing up. So I really came into my own. I joined a drama class in high school. I was on the improv team. I was really into arts and theater and all that stuff. And I just loved being the center of attention, which was great until it wasn't. <laughs> until, you know, the, the, the thing with being 
the center of attention and needing that attention because you didn't get it as a child, is it be- kind of becomes this endless pit. It's never really enough. There's never really enough attention um, because you're not really getting it from the people that you want it the most, your, your parents. So you're getting this attention from all these outside strangers who don't really mean anything to you, but it feels good. It's like, a, it's like that first drink, right? Like that first 15 minutes of that glass of champagne. And you're chasing that 15, that first 15 minutes for the rest of the night. Sometimes the, the rest of the month or the rest of the year or in some situations, the rest of your life. But you're always chasing that first 15 minutes, that just release, that high, that that anything is possible. So I needed more. I needed more attention. But I was also running out of steam. I was running out of energy. It's, It's a lot... It's a lot to maintain that and keep that attention of everyone and keep feeding this kind of never-ending cycle. So how this kind of transpired into my late teens and early adulthood is I drank. I couldn't maintain this funny, high-energy, life-of-the-party girl all the time because that's ridiculous. You can't be just on an upward trajectory your whole entire life you know you need to have these ebbs and flows these these waves these these ins and outs but that was not an option for me I I didn't like those downs I didn't like that I really I was feeding this need from childhood for attention and alcohol kept that energy going And then I would do even more outlandish things because I was drunk. And then the stories got even bigger and more extreme and more and more and more and more dramatic because that's what really hooked people, the drama. Now, drama is great when you're directing a a daytime soap opera or a sitcom or something like that but when it's your real life shit gets out of control it gets so extreme that you get addicted to this drama and this drama becomes normal it becomes every day and so A lot of people, when they stop drinking or when they are even contemplating stopping drinking, they're like, oh my God, how am I going to have fun? Everyone is so concerned about the fun factor. It's not fun. It's drama. You're feeding off this drama. We're not supposed to be at this jacked up high level of drama in our life. That is like kind of masquerade as fun or interesting. It's not, it's, it's just, it's not. It's not maintainable. It's not sustainable. It is very destructive. And I definitely found that out the hard way. So I guess the most 
toxic, let's say, part of my drinking career was when I moved to LA. I moved to LA when I was about 22 years old. <clears throat> and I was in LA for 11 years, which is a really long time. Um, so you can see I was, I was in that drama for a long time that it, it becomes normal, right? It becomes natural. This, this drama becomes second nature. I was also um, in nightlife. I was a full-time club DJ. So I traveled around the world DJing, huge parties. I was paid to party. I, you know, I, I never had to pay for alcohol. I never, that was, it wasn't like it was ruining my life or my bank account that way. Um, it was just so readily available. It was, you know, this glamorous, dramatic life, like living on the uh, Jersey Shore or whatever, <laughs> whatever reality show it was, or the L Word. It was kind of more like the L Word, actually. If you haven't watched the L Word, I highly suggest it. It's pretty, that is actually pretty spot on to my life. The drama, the cheating, the the going after this person's girlfriend and that person's, and just, just immature bullshit, you know, that just, it's, it's not a, good person to live like that like it just ruins your soul and you know I did a lot of things that I was not proud of and hurt a lot of people that did not deserve it but again I was just so into this drama drinking spiral that I was just spiraling out of control you know I, I would call my mom and, you know, she'd ask me like, oh, what are you up to? And I'd kind of give her, give her the censored version of my life is. And she's just like shaking her head like, that's your life? Like, that's real life? And I'm like, I think we can all agree that anxiety is so 2023. Say peace out to anxiety and overwhelm with chill vibe gummies. Made with ashwagandha root, L-theanine, GABA, chamomile flower, and lemon balm, these gluten-free, vegan, non-GMO gummies are the perfect way to change your vibe naturally, and most importantly, safely. Whenever I tried medication for my anxiety, I was always hit with extreme side effects that made me feel paranoid or just completely numbed of all emotions, the good and the bad. Chill Vibe Gummies make you feel like you, just minus the anxiety. Go to vibegummies.com to get your gummies today. That's V-I-B-E gummies.com. This episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. A common misconception about relationships is that they have to be easy to be right. But sometimes the best ones happen when you put the work in to make them great. Therapy can be a place to work through the challenges you face in all your relationships, whether with your friends, work, your significant other, or most importantly, yourself. My biggest fear is that I was unlovable, that something was just not good enough or deserving of love. My therapist has helped me to see that my thoughts are not necessarily the truth. Therapy has helped me overcome these limiting beliefs that were keeping me in unhealthy patterns in my life. We are our own worst critic, and I love that my therapist reminds me of how far I have come. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, 
flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out the brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. Become your own soulmate, whether you're looking for one or not. Visit betterhelp.com A-S-G-G today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp.com slash A-S-G-G. Oh, she's right. This is not, this is not okay. <clears throat> so I wouldn't say I had a rock bottom. And that, that's a term that typically people in AA use. I was at the time I was trying, you know, to evaluate my relationship with alcohol. Um, I was a huge huge fan of comparing my life and my relationship with alcohol to other people's so I didn't feel so bad. I didn't look so bad. I didn't, you know, have any DUIs. I wasn't, you know, slamming my car into anything or getting arrested or nothing was that bad. But there was just this constant, like I said, hum of drama just drama in the background, you know, when you have a certain apps open on your phone and it's just slowly, slowly sucking your battery down. That's what it was like. It was just a constant hum of an open drama app of your life. So I guess going to AA was really the only thing, the only option at that time. You know, this was Gosh, this was probably seven, over seven years now. And I would be in and out of AA. I would show up to meetings and I just never felt good. Like it doesn't bring me joy to hear other people's stories that I, like it doesn't bring me joy to kind of like commiserate with other people. Um, I definitely am more of a forward thinker, very I'm into like motivation. I, like show me what this could be, right? Like show me what this could translate into. Um, I'm not a huge fan of, you know, living in the past. And of course, I, I accept what I have done in the past. I acknowledge what I've done in the past. I take full responsibility for what I have done full responsibility. And that and that's hard to do. That's really hard to do. And sometimes it'll pop up here and there and you you just got to own it. But I'm not a fan of living in it daily. I really don't think that does anything good for you. I don't think it helps you like project into your future. Um, you're always kind of living in the past and kind of like this woe is me, like, oh my God, I'm such a horrible person. I did this, that, and that. Like, you have to acknowledge it. You have to take responsibility. And we have today. We have today and hopefully we have tomorrow. And that's what we have to work with. How can you be, how can I be a better person for myself and others today, right now? In this moment, what can I do? What can I do that my future self that is going to thank me for? Right? That old, that old saying. <clears throat> so, again, in and out of AA, 
don't ever compare yourself to other people's journey. Whether it's good, bad, whatever. Comparison is and will always be the thief of joy. You will never gain anything by comparing yourself to someone else. You just won't. It's actually ridiculous because you're not them and they're not you. So right off the bat, it's a losing game. Comparing yourself, it's like comparing yourself to like apples and oranges. They're just different. None is better. None is better. Like it, it doesn't make any sense. It, it's not worth it. It's a waste of time and energy. Don't do it. Just don't. Don't do it. Don't compare yourself. Like I said, I compared myself and thought like, hey, I'm not that bad. I'm not bad compared to this guy or this girl. Like, that's, that's fucked up. I'm not that. Um, that. That doesn't get you anywhere, right? If anything, I went out and I kept drinking because it wasn't that bad. It's just, it's, it never serves you comparing yourself to others. So, like I said, in and out of AA, I just never felt good leaving those, those meetings. I just didn't. So, I guess what, what really changed for me was I was working as a full-time DJ. At this point, I just kept saying, is this it? Am I really going to just play other people's music for the rest of my life and that's going to be my job. It sounds really cool, to, right? When people, you tell people you're a DJ, right? It's like the coolest job in the world. But like when it actually comes down to it, I hated my job. I didn't like doing it whatsoever. I dreaded. I would count down the minutes that I was at work till I can get the heck out of there. That is not someone you want DJing your party or your event. Someone who can't wait to get out of there, that's a, it's just a shitty feeling. But, you know, I, ha- I had all these obligations, I had all these responsibilities wrapped up in this type of job that I felt trapped. I didn't know how to get out of it. And one day I was sitting at home waiting to go to work and I had the first of many extremely rough anxiety attacks. I could not sit still. I was shaking. I literally wanted to crawl out of my skin. I couldn't go to work. And this happened again and again I would just I couldn't even stand long enough to change the the song I couldn't even I couldn't even do 20 seconds I couldn't stand there without shaking I just I couldn't do it and I got really scared I'm like okay this is how it happens you know I'm not wasting my money on alcohol I get it all for free but I can't work because of this debilitating anxiety there is something inside of me that it's 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 not right it's not in alignment this is not where i am supposed to be 
Each and every person has been touched by recovery, whether it's a partner, son, daughter, best friend, work colleague, or yourself personally. Whatever your reason for recovery is, we are all in this together. At A Sober Girl's Guide, our mission is to build awareness, foster a strong community, and give you the tools to change your relationship with alcohol. Soberlink is a remote alcohol monitoring technology created to help provide accountability for people in recovery. The system includes a high-tech breathalyzer device with facial recognition that allows you to share your sobriety in real time with loved ones who can offer support in the event of a slip-up or relapse. Soberlink has helped hundreds of thousands of people document proof of sobriety in real time to help rebuild that trust and foster peace of mind. Soberlink is currently building a strong community of people in recovery. Get inspired and inspire others today by joining the community at www.soberlink.com forward slash ASGG. And looking back at it, I can see how there was, you know, little warning signs about my drinking. Like, hey, you know, you, you blacked out here. You fell asleep in a bush. Like... Okay, like that's (laughs) strike one, like that's not really cute. Um, And then, you know, maybe another strike like, hey, like you slept with a man and you got pregnant and you're a lesbian. Uh, That's that's questionable of strike three. Uh, You know, there was these little hints and signals along the way that holy shit, Alcohol was not good for you. You are not a cool drinker. If anything, you turn into a really shitty person. Anyone, like, the person that you don't want to be. This is not working anymore, you know? It, it worked back in, back in the day as a teenager, as a young adult. You know, you needed that attention. You, you got drunk and you got it. This isn't going to work. This isn't working anymore. So I kept getting these little, these little nudges. And then the nudges turned into full-on, like, drop, kick, punch in the throat. Like, listen up. And I believe that's what happened, you know, with the anxiety attacks. You know, it was a huge wake-up call. It's like, if you want to keep doing this shit to yourself, if you want to keep going down this path that you and I both know you don't want to be going down. This is what's going to happen. We're going to literally physically get in there and interrupt you and make you see that if you don't work, if you don't settle this anxiety thing and these anxiety attacks and get down to the root of this problem, that you're not going to be able to work. And what happens if you can't work? Well, you don't have any money to pay your fancy apartment in West Hollywood. You don't have money to pay your car payment. You don't have money to buy food. And you can quickly see how, and I was, I'm working for myself, right? I, I'm, I'm the only, all, all this responsibility is on my shoulders. I don't have, you know, um, insurance or payroll or, you know, anyone else kind of backing me up. I am a sole proprietor as well. <laughs> Um, so it was really up to me to figure this out and, and get in there. And so I think the turning point was I sat 
at my kitchen table, and I remember this very, very vividly. And I wrote down a list of things that... When you change your relationship with alcohol, you realize you have so many hours in the day. I love to dedicate my time to skincare, and Osea makes me and my skin feel and look like a queen. Osea's clean, vegan, and sustainable body care is a glowing choice for achieving your body care and self-care goals. Whenever I use the Andaria Algae Body Butter, people literally stop me on the street. My skin is flawless and glowing, and I love the thick and unbelievably rich texture that absorbs instantly. Skincare is a habit worth keeping all year round. Osea can help your skin have a healthy glow every day. Because let's be honest, skincare is self-care. With over 27 years of seaweed-infused products, Osea is safe on your skin and the planet. It is clean, vegan, and cruelty-free, and climate-neutral certified. Never choose between your values and your best skin. Start the new year fresh with clean, vegan skincare and body care from Osea. Right now, we have a special discount just for our listeners. Get 10% off your first order site-wide with code ASGG at OseaMalibu.com. You'll get free samples with every order and free shipping on orders over $60. Head to OseaMalibu.com and use code ASGG for 10% off. Weren't just things. They were what I, the person I wanted to be. You know, when we're growing up, we definitely don't aspire to be someone who is riddled with anxiety attacks or, you know, working at this job you hate, Um, you know, drinking yourself to death because you really need the love and attention from strangers because you never got it in your childhood. We don't, we don't think about that. We don't, that's not really something we aspire to do and be, but over time it, it happens. Shit happens. So I wrote out this list of this woman that I really want to be and I aspire to be growing up. And I also wrote down another list of things that I enjoy doing. And unfortunately, there wasn't a lot on that list. (laughs) I went through kind of with a fine-tooth comb of what I was doing daily to actually live a life that I enjoyed. You know, we get on autopilot so easily and we get into these habits and these ruts that, you know, 70% of what we do in our daily tasks is just on autopilot. Just because we've done it the day before, the week before, it's turned into months, it's turned into years. Pretty pretty soon, that, that habit or that task has now become a part of you. And so really getting in there and dissecting, like, what is my, what do I actually do on a daily basis that I actually enjoy or look forward to? And there wasn't a lot. Actually, if anything, most of my time was just waiting around to go to a job or gigs that I didn't really want to do in the first place. So my day consisted of waiting around and just 
the constant feeling of dread? Wow, no wonder I'm drinking. No wonder I'm drinking to escape this life. And like, it just all made so much sense. And so I then decided to, to flip that and be like, okay, well, what, what would I be doing? You know, if I, if I was living this life that I really want to be and, and really want to do, what does that person do on a daily basis? You know, I love the beach. I maybe went to the beach once a month, if that. And I lived in LA for crying out loud. I started making a list of things that I've always wanted to do. And I started to do them. I then stopped going to AA. I stopped going to meetings. I stopped doing shit that didn't make me feel good. You know, it just made me feel worse. So why am I going to waste my energy on that? And I started focusing on things that aligned with me. I, I, I um, centered myself around people who were speaking the same language or had the same thoughts and feelings around things in my life that, that I was going through. And I found like-minded people. And I, found, I surrounded myself with people who were doing what I've wanted to, to do. And then I started feeding off that energy and watching. And, and this is as simple as following people that you admire like on social media and watching what they do and what they're accomplishing. And soon, that becomes your norm. If you're seeing it every day, just like the drama, right? If you're in the drama all day, every day, it becomes your norm. So if you surround yourself with successful people and people who are doing things that you wanna do and that you're inspired by, that becomes your norm. So I always wanted to write a book. And so I started following women authors that I really admired, like Brene Brown, I love her. Um, I really love Chelsea Handler. Um, I also love uh, Elizabeth Gilbert. You know, I surrounded myself with all these authors. And again, when I say surrounded myself, I mean online, social media. in particularly Instagram. Instagram is my favorite form of social media. And so I was watching what they were doing and how they were doing it and their process. And I'm like, oh, well, if they can write books, if they can become speakers, if they can create businesses, like, why the hell can't I? And so I really took the time and, and, and I've figured out what what I wanted to do, you know, what, what I wanted to write about, what I wanted to be about, who is, what is this type of woman that is within me? And after all of that, it kind of came out to this like equation, right? In our lives, like if I do things that bring me joy, I'm going to be a more happy, joyous person, If I keep doing shit that makes me feel like shit, I'm going to feel like shit and I'm going to be a shitty person. So in this equation, naturally, alcohol did not compute. It did not fit into this equation. And when I kept 
focusing on the things I wanted for my life, alcohol still just did not fit into that equation. I didn't like how I felt when I was drinking. I didn't like what I was thinking when I was drinking. I just I didn't like the aftermath of, of drinking. I just, it just wasn't me anymore. It just didn't make sense. For everything that I wanted to accomplish and be in my life, alcohol was hindering every single part of that for me. So I, I, I took, I didn't set any set times. I didn't, I didn't really keep track. I honestly don't even really know my sober date. Um, I have a kind of general idea. I believe it's like March, I think the beginning of March. Um, so I, I celebrate like my sober birthday around, around then, but I definitely don't keep track of days. I just, it doesn't work for me. Um, I definitely focus more on how I feel, how I feel about my sobriety and how I feel about making my way towards the woman that I want to be and achieving these things. I ended up writing a book that was pretty freaking cool. It was so hard. It was probably the hardest thing I've ever had to do because I'm not a great person at like just sitting still and like buckling through something. Um, it's really hard. And writing a book is really tough and articulating how you feel and getting that all in order is honestly quite an accomplishment and it's really hard. So, but it is doable. It is absolutely doable. So if you are thinking of writing a book, you can 1000% do this. You just got to take the time. You got to just there's no other way but just sitting down and doing it. Write out notes, write out an outline. And that's kind of like the whole thing of like life or any changes that you really want to do. You can 100% do them. It's it's harder to kind of look at it as a whole. So I know this is a really horrible, disgusting analogy, but like, how do you eat an elephant? You definitely can't eat an elephant all in one sitting. You definitely can't eat, eat it all at one time. So you have to cut it up into pieces. And that is the same thing with any change you want to make in your life, especially your relationship with alcohol. Don't think of it forever. Think of it right now for today till till the end of the day don't even don't put that that kind of limit or restriction that this is going to be forever that i have to have everything figured out today tomorrow by the end of the day i have to have it all figured out that's not how any of this works this is a day by day process shit changes on the regular that is one thing that is for certain and change is uncomfortable. And getting comfortable in the uncomfortable is probably your best tool. Um, knowing that things can change, that they will change, is actually fine, brings me comfort now. <laughs> it used to be so scary 
to know that like anything can change in a heartbeat. But now it's kind of exciting. It's like, okay, this can change in a heartbeat. Like what, what else could happen? You know, this or something better. What else can happen? So let's talk a little bit about what happens when you get sober, especially in the early stages. Now, I'm not going to sugarcoat this. Early sobriety is fucking hard. There is so much change. It is so overwhelming and very emotional, actually. Um, Everything you thought you knew about your life, about your relationships, about yourself is going to be flipped on its ass. Um, I think what most people are concerned about is, like I said, the fun factor, um, worrying about where they're going to have fun, how they're going to have fun. Are their friends going to think they're fun? Are their partners, um, going to think they're fun? And you're probably not going to be fun actually in the first little bit because you're pretty raw and you're, Being raw is scary and it's vulnerable and it can actually make you feel really uptight, um, which is completely natural. You're trying to like gain your bearings here for like, I mean, for a lot of us, drinking has been a huge coping coping mechanism, you know, for life. It's, we've been getting something out of drinking. That's why we've been doing it. That's why we've been doing it up until now, because we've kind of, you know, pulled back the wool from our eyes and discovered like, oh shit, what I was using alcohol for eh, isn't really working too much anymore. Or I want to change it. I don't want to rely on alcohol to get that need met, whatever that can be. So yeah, throwing a wrench into the game, changing your relationship with alcohol is terrifying. Um, I'm not going to put a time limit onto how long it is terrifying for. Again, we don't need to compare ourselves to anyone else's journey because this is your own. It could be two weeks. It could be two years. Shit, who knows? But it's perfectly natural and okay to feel uptight, to feel scared, to feel afraid to worry that things are going to change because they are. They are definitely going to change. But they're definitely going to change for the better. This is something that you want. This is something that is going to only make your life better from not drinking. You know, alcohol is always going to be there. You can always go back to it. Like, don't worry. We're not going to run out of it. But, But there's something really special and sacred about not drinking it definitely is a superpower and it definitely is I mean like the kids use I'm using quotations woke it definitely makes you awake you are a woke individual when you are not drinking because there is nothing impairing your judgment There's nothing that is fueling any fantasies, any stories that you have in your life. It's it's reality. And I know, I understand that reality can be really tough for a lot of people. It's, It's a pretty big pill to swallow. 
But like I said, being in that drama, in that altered state, it, it also took you a while to adjust to that. And then drama becomes normal, right? So it, it does get better. You do find your, your ground. You do find, you do get comfortable in the uncomfortable. It does get better. Now, on to relationships. This is probably one of the biggest questions I get about how relationships will change. They will 1000% change. You will quote unquote lose friends. You may lose uh, romantic relationships, um, relationships with your coworkers because you're probably not going to want to go to a happier hour or happy hour uh, right off the bat. Again, that's completely up to you, but your relationships are totally going to change. You don't have the drinking in common with people anymore, which just means that your relationships change. If you and this other person want to attempt to find other common things or other common ground, awesome, fantastic. And if you don't, awesome, fantastic. Your relationships will absolutely change. They'll be different because you're different. You're not on the same playing field anymore. You're not, you don't have that thing in common, which most people, you know, that's how, that's how they form connections. It's over drinking. And that is not of interest to you anymore. So of course that's going to change. And all of this is okay. We are supposed to change. We are supposed to expand. We're supposed to evolve our tastes and, you know, our, what we're interested in is supposed to change as we grow. It's completely normal. You know, it's like having, it's people that have kids, you know, their, their priorities change. You know, who they hang out with definitely change. They tend to gravitate to hang out with people who have children, who understand what's going on. So it's really important to find like-minded people who are going through the same thing, who, you know, can, can find that common ground with you. And if your relationships don't want to change and don't want to adjust and evolve, it is okay. You will find other people to hang out with. And to maybe even have stronger, stronger bonds with. Who knows? Who knows what can happen? That is the gift of change. That is a gift of especially changing your relationship with alcohol. There are so many opportunities and possibilities that you can't even imagine. It is so awesome. Things that you would never, that would never even pop into your mind or into your hemisphere are coming up because you're changing, you're evolving, your priorities are different. And it is so fun to see. Again, it's terrifying at first. I get it. It is very scary. But when you get past that that fear and that uncomfortability... It's pretty freaking awesome. And that 
is one of the major motivators that keep me sober. That I could go back to drinking at any time. I could, anytime I wanted to. I have a wine fridge. I choose not to because of the possibilities and opportunities that sobriety has afforded me. And I, quite frankly, I want to see what else is possible. This is, I know this isn't just it. I know there is so much more to life beyond the bottle. And that is a major motivator that keeps me sober and keeps me wanting to be sober. So if you are contemplating changing your relationship with alcohol, or if you are going through it right now, keep going. The only way through is through. Feel it. Feel it all. Lay on your living room floor, cry, scream, go for a run. Do whatever you need to do to get through it. And remember, having all these emotions, being scared, being angry, being worried, feeling uneasy, feeling uncomfortable, they're completely normal and natural feelings and it is 1000% okay to feel that way. And the best part is, it doesn't last forever. These feelings will come and go. They will ebb and flow just like the waves in the ocean. They are meant to. This is living. We're not meant to be on these dramatic highs of elation and ecstasy all the time. Life is about the ebbs and flows. And so if you are ebbing or if you are flowing right now, you are exactly where you are meant to be. As always, thank you so much for listening. Please make sure to rate, subscribe, and please leave your comments about the podcast. We love to hear your feedback. Follow us on Facebook and Instagram at A Sober Girls Guide and head over to asobergirlsguide.com if you need tools, tips, tricks to change your relationship with alcohol, whatever stage of your journey you are at, we got your back, girl. We got you all kinds of tools to help you at any stage of the game. Thank you so much for listening and have a great day.